Something tells me, maybe it's just logic, that there must be more than one way to model characters and environments in CGI. I wonder what they are, and I'm eager to find out. Are you? Well, join me and stay tuned, because in this episode, number 2129, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG pros, will be doing a deep dive into the subject when they answer the commonly asked question, what are the methods for modeling CGI characters and environments? On the CG Bros, CG Insider Podcast. A greetings and welcome. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. In this episode, number 2129, we're going to be answering a question submitted by Eddie V that we received at our Ask Us Anything page on our website at thecgbros.com. Eddie asks us, what are the methods for modeling CGI characters and environments? Thanks for the question, Eddie. Um, we've gotten this question a lot, so we thought we'd address it for you today. And by the end of the podcast, uh, not only will you know exactly what CGI modeling is and what it takes, but you'll learn some about some of the specific methods and procedures that you can use to model your own objects and scenes. Eddie V, great name and a great place to uh, eat as well. Yes, definitely. Co coincidence. You're going to learn a little bit of some background behind the modeling process, and we'll give you suggestions and insights into uh, some of these methods and then tools and techniques you can also use to help make creation of your 3D models even better and more efficient. I'm Sean Johnston, one of your hosts for today's podcast. And I'm Bill Johnston, the other host for this podcast. And together we're the CG Bros. So let's start discussing this. Uh, sure. The methods uh, for modeling CGI characters and environments. So, so what exactly is 3D modeling, bro? Uh, well, the basic idea behind 3D modeling is to uh, use a computer uh, to create three-dimensional shapes, um, which can be visualized in different ways, of course. But the final result is, is can be a static scene or, or an object uh, or a detailed model that can be you know, rotated and examined from different angles. Um, 3D modeling basically requires a unique combination of technical and artistic skills to, to master. And it's a, it's a discipline with a lot of potential in the job market, actually. But uh, it also makes a great hobby in case you're looking for something to do. And um, interesting thing about 3D modeling is, is there's a pretty big misconception out there that you know, it takes a lot of money to get into, but that's not really the case at all. It's it's actually pretty easy to get started doing 3D modeling, uh, even if you don't have a lot of money. Um, I yes. think basically, as long as you have a computer with a decent processor and a decent graphics card, you're, you're pretty much good to go. Yes, things have changed quite a bit. Um, you know, the first 3D modeling was obviously, uh, don't know if uh, you under, you know this, uh, but the first one was uh, by Evan Ivan Sutherland uh, in the 1960s, a creator of uh, the software, I guess, and hardware, Sketchpad. Um, and it, it uh, you know, think of it, think of 3D modeling, well, it won't be labor, but just think of it as a realistic drawing, uh, but with much more complexity involved, obviously incorporating uh, real-time data into the model. You can interact with it on a computer, just like a physical model, and the object can be rotated, flipped, uh, or exploded and manipulated in all sorts of ways on the screen. Do you remember the first model you made in the computer, bro? Well, it was uh, a very primitive model, uh, basically made out of, uh, well, I mean, I, I no, I don't remember the first one. I remember one of the first ones. I know what, what mine was. Oh, what was um, Well, it was 3D Studio. Uh, actually, it wasn't Max at the time. It was 3D Studio DOS back in 1993. And um, I'm going to show you. Uh, do I have sharing uh, enabled today? I think we do. You, okay, so let me let me share you. I'll, I'll exactly tell you, show you what I did. Let me move my character out of the way here. All right, tell me if you can see this. 
All right. Can you see this model? Yeah, I see some lamps anyway. This is a beautiful, beautiful lamp. It was an LED, or actually it was a halogen lamp that I bought. And I think I might've been in Z Gallery, but this is the one right here. In, in fact, it looked exactly like this. Uh, but it was actually this one here with the with the gold little knob there, and it did a um, an actual fly through. We built it in in at the time 3D Studio, you know, only had um, since the DOS limitations of um, of memory, it had it in separate modules. Um, to you know, you had your 2D Shaper, then you had your um, 3D Lofter, and then you had um, you know your editor, and then you had your keyframer. Um, and so those are the different, um, they actually had five separate models uh, modules for the actual uh, program itself. And, um, at that time, um, that was the state of the art and it was the first, um, you know, software package that was on the 3d anyway, mm -hmm. on the computer, on the PC, mm -hmm. um, wasn't even on the Mac at that point. Um, I think they had other ones possibly in, on imagine or something on either Amiga or something like that, but none of that, but, um, like you're saying, it's pretty affordable. Back then, I mean, as a student, it was uh, at San Diego State University, it was about $3,400 um, to, to buy. And that to me was like, there's no way. <laughs> I didn't even well, it was a, I, It was even higher at that, but higher than that at some point. I remember it being $7,800 at one point. Yeah, I think that might have been. Well, that was for, I think, for the, well, when it get into 3D Studio Max uh, after the iterations, when it became uh -huh. a Windows platform, you had the whole uh, entertainment suite that came with Maya and a bunch of other packages as well. But you know, back then I didn't even have a moped, so that thirty-four hundred dollars would have been quite a quite a price. So, so basically, three D modeling is is it's just it's the same thing as traditional modeling, where you're you know you're 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 sculpting basically something, or you're putting some things together. I mean, it, model making in the real world is very similar to model making in the digital world. It's just you're using digital tools, right? Exactly. Yes. Um, and you basically start with basic geometric shapes, right? A cube or a sphere or a cylinder, et cetera. And you, you start tweaking it and you, you apply modifiers to it until it resembles kind of what you're trying to, trying to create. Um, you know, it's, yeah. I, I'm being simple, simple, you know, it's a simple explanation, of course, but um, basically, you know, um, even complex models are comprised of, of a lot of smaller uh, shapes that are, that are put together. Yeah, so I remember when you were using 3D Studio and you did that scene that had about 350,000, um, I guess, objects in the scene. And um, because of the limitations of the PC, um, you, we, it was like a, it was like a, a, not a, it was like a slideshow trying to play that because there was no RAM player at that point. Mm -hmm. um, I remember how much you had in that scene. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're basic shapes you start with. Um, there's There's primitives and... Um, you can, you can manipulate each one of those vertices on each one of the edges of that 3d model. You can, you know, subdivide this is, polygon it. This is polygonal modeling, right? Yes. Polygonal modeling. Yes. Okay, all um, right. But then there's also, um, NURBS uh, as well. So I don't, when I first started getting into 3d, um, you know, 3d studio didn't have the ability to do any type of NURBS. I think the first thing they had was maybe, uh, to do some 3d, uh, modeling was uh, surface. You had like patch patches that came out came out at later iterations. But then NURBS, I guess, eventually came in. But that was more of from the Alias Wavefront uh, Maya community that was using uh, NURBS to do those. And those are um, a little bit more organic feeling NURBS as those mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what non-uniform rational beast blinds. Right. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever well, that people, means. <laughs> yeah, most, most people start with polygonal modeling because it's kind of what it's just a, it's a lot easier to 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 use. I think the tools tool sets really a lot easier to use, and 
typically when you're doing polygonal modeling, your modeling tends to be based in like hard surface objects, such as, uh, you know, architectural uh, structures or man-made objects or products, some, you know, uh, and you work, you're, like you said, you work with faces and, and edges and vertices and you pull and push and move them around until you kind of get the shape that you want. Um, and, and you mentioned sub subdivision, um, you know, oftentimes when you're, when you're doing that, there aren't enough faces to create the detail that you want on your model and, or your model looks really kind of jaggedy or what they call faceted. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you mentioned, you subdivide the, the faces and you end up with more vertices and more edges and, and uh, you basically are subdividing them into the smaller sections to work with. And all that additional geometry allows you to, uh, round out the surface of the objects that you're, you're modeling, going to give them a smoother, smooth appearance. Right. And the, the other thing is, you know, what was the purpose of even coming, having 3D models, being able to be built in the computer? What was the purpose of that? Well, the purpose was, you know, came from the architecture engineering, um, you know, industries and those things were, or biochemistry and those kind of things to represent things in, in, um, in the computer that were actually in physical, you know, your physical real world models as well. So you can manipulate them. Um, you can do accurate planning, you know, get precise uh, models, scrutinize every part of that object so you could see it before you actually, you know, built it. Um, before you build it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and that's, you, you know, doing at that point, the cost is so much lower to get all these things done on the computer first. Um, you can also obviously model um, human beings and, and weather and things like that um, that we see every day. Um, in um, our weather uh, segments on uh, the news and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you you talked about NURBS and or curve, you know, sometimes called curve modeling. Um, that that's a that's a lot different than the poly- polygonal modeling that we were just talking about, where you, where you actually use curves, you know, curves and and points, what are called control points that are that are spaced out along the curve. And and in contrast to you know architectural uh, uses and and, and you know. Hard surfaces, uh, hard surface models. This kind of modeling, NURBS modeling, is primarily used uh, to try to create more organic shapes that have very smooth, ultra smooth curved surfaces, if you will. Um, right. And they have you know smoother flowing shapes. Uh, very, like you said, very few hard edges. Um, that was there was no Pixelogic ZBrush at the time when we were starting this, and it was the NURBS modeling that was the big huge thing. Uh, at the time was oh you got to have NURBS modeling. You can't polygonal is always looks uh, primitive, you know, all primitive shapes. Exactly. And now, now you got ZBrush, which is a sculpting industry standard for organic, organic models, you know, that you use to build um, humans, animals, creatures. Um, and it's basically used in every single, uh, nearly every film that requires any type of VFX work. Or characters for that matter. I, I, we, we use it at our studio exclusively for modeling characters. So we don't, we don't, uh, I mean, any character that I, that we've used has come from ZBrush. Right. And I mean, there is, you know, Mudbox from Autodesk and uh, the Foundry uh, Moto, but I think the industry standard, obviously, is going to be Pixel Logic ZBrush. All right, you know, it's really kind of, you know, it's really cool about the new digital sculpting software. And this just came around. This hasn't been around for, you know, a tremendous amount of time, but the, the sculpting pack, you know, a decade or, or so. But they, they basically, what I really like about the sculpting method of modeling uh, is because it, it's basically like a piece of clay. You know, it's a digital clay and you're pushing and, you know, you're mushing it in and you're pulling it out. You're smashing it. You're squashing it and you're carving into it. And you're, it's a very, um, it's, it's a lot more artistic uh, leaning than 
say polygonal modeling or nerves modeling, like you said, that's more in the scientific realm or the architectural realm of things, right? Mm-hmm. Not that not it can't be done in the art realm. It's just, it just isn't, it doesn't, doesn't lend itself to that, the artistic, you know, the artistic side of folks, I think. Right. And it, it, it don't, it's only been around since around uh, 2000 and when it first came out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, well, what about uh, props and modeling, things like that, that you have at uh, maybe at your office? What, what, what is that? Uh, we use polygon. We do polygonal modeling. Well, actually, you know, it's funny. It depends on the level of detail that you need. Uh, and this, the sculpting method is just, I think, far superior to, to, you know, box modeling or primitive modeling and, and, and just modeling with, uh, polygons and you know pushing and extruding and uh you know uh, bending mm-hmm. i i think the sculpting approach is just I, i'm more on the artistic side of things and, and it, what i what, what you see is what you get and so when you when you're put it's just more ergonomic because i i've come from more of a sculpting background i i or traditional art mm-hmm. kind of background when i was younger and and i i really appreciated the 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 intuitiveness of that approach um well, a lot of a lot of artists start with them. They they use Maya to to basically block out their characters or their uh, right right you know, thing, and then they bring that into ZBrush and then subdivide it and sculpt on top of that. Um, uh, so that's kind of how a lot of the workflow and some of the uh, artists that I work with in in the video gaming industry. But you know, like props, um, things like that. You're you're you know more the hard. Those are I would consider hard surface. Anything that's been made by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, you know, let's, a, let's say a bed or a couch or things that have soft curves, but usually props are going to be, you know, you know, guns, swords, tables, chairs, and tools, anything you find at like Home Depot or Office Depot. Um, and it's funny because props and then environments we'll talk about as well, make up the bulk of uh, modeling requirements on most of the film productions, as well as in your games, um, mm-hmm. you know, usually have a couple of characters here and there, but majority of its environments and props. Um, and some of the, the knowledge you, you just need, if you wanted to get into that, um, is just, um, you know, look at, well, the skills you would need is just 3d modeling is you'd start at, at the very beginning of that. And you have to have a, a, a obviously an ability, uh, to know what, um, you know, visualize things at the beginning, uh, middle good and end. reference material, good reference material. Yeah, yeah <laughs> We talked a, about this last, last podcast. Yeah. I mean, just basic uh, art knowledge. I mean, you don't have to have a tremendous amount. Um, you could even be more in a technical aspect of things. And just like you said, um, looking at something and understanding what it looks like in real life. And that's kind of what, what you're doing is building that in, in the computer and have that artistic sensibility of form, volume, and mass. Yeah. And, and the digital sculpting approach uh, is, is used, you know, while it's really great for, you know, modeling characters, um, it's, it's also great for doing the environments because it's, 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 it's an organic, you know, if you look at the shape of, of terrain, it's, it's not flat, you know, it's, it's uneven and, and, you know, trees, modeling of tree trunks and stuff like that, that, that would be very difficult to, to model uh, polygonally speaking. I mean, you can do it. We all used to do it, but the, the digital sculpting approach is really, a rev, in my mind, in my view, a, a revolution in, in, in how modeling is done. I mean, granted, you have to start with, you know, high resolution to begin with, and then, you know, uh, re, you know, reduce it as you go mm-hmm. because you need a lot of, you know, you, you need a lot of polygons to, to, to sculpt in, in this, you know, in the ergonomic way, um, you know, through the, through mud box or photo or, or a ZBrush. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of opposite as that of that as the polygonal modeling approach where you start with a, you know, something very low resolution and then increase the resolution as you go. 
right? I mean, remember trying to take 3D objects and trying to uh, what they call Boolean operations on them, which are basically subtractions and and creating different objects from those or combining, um, you know, doing Boolean operations, which is, is just basically math, subtraction, addition, things like that. I remember how hard it was just doing political modeling at the, the beginning. Um, and that's why I love the fact that, um, I don't say it again, ZBrush, such an amazing program to be able to do yeah, that in real yeah. life, just like you're doing using real clay. Exactly. That's, that's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah. What's really, you know, and even in the different aspect of it, let's say uh, I was talking earlier about architectural and engineering. Um, I didn't even know this, but a lot of, a lot of uh, today, um, you know, if you're doing uh, building, let's say an architectural, there's what they call BIM building information, information modeling. I don't know if you knew about that, um, but it's a, it, it makes use of industry specific libraries and parametric uh, parametric uh, components like windows, doors, you know, columns, slabs, mm-hmm. um, things standardized. That you, you mean? Yes. All standardized mm-hmm. in, in architects and con- contractors. And it just aids in communication between production of, of, you know, buildings and all sorts of, um, uh, you know, commercial uh, type buildings and, and actually for non-commercial as well. So, so if you're infrastructure for engineers and, and contractors that are building, you know, st- systems for cities and roads and all those things, there's the, these BIM models, which I didn't realize there were, there's even BIM um, jobs where you can use, you know, 3d packages. Um, so like as, AutoCAD, right? Something like that. Yeah. Very similar. There's like, uh, some of the, some of the ones that they use are Vectorworks, um, Revit and our, uh, ArchCAD. I see. Uh, and you can create models and, and then parametricize them, or <laughs> you can make them parametric and, and use those as, um, you know, uh, new, new creations. And then you can trade those on the BIM, um, uh, industry and make libraries out of those. Nice. And even sell it. If you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's what a lot of, a lot of people do is that, that they come into modeling and, and they, they, they want to sell their, they want to eventually sell their models on some, some model selling site, which is a, you know, something you can do, but I'll, I'll tell you, there's so there's a lot of people doing that. And the, the quality of the models uh, is, is quite, there's a little big variety in the, in the quality of these things. Um, yeah. So, Turbo squid. Is it referring to Turbo squid? Yeah. That, that would be might be one of them. Uh-huh. Right. And you, you'd mentioned a Boolean. Uh, Boolean modeling and that, excuse me, that, uh, that's a really cool thing, uh, you know, just to kind of explain what that is. It, it's basically how you, you, you start with a model and then you, by Booleaning, bo- Booleaning the model or Booleaning the model, it depends on how, where you're from. Um, basically you're, you're adding to it or you're cutting away from it, uh, using another object as the cut shape. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, and there's three basic, uh, types of operations. There's the difference, meaning you, you combine them and, and wherever the, what the difference is will be the result, or you can, you, you know, they create a union mm-hmm. uh, where you, they're, they're put together or where they intersect, you can cut away one of the objects where, where the intersection takes place. And that's, that's a, it's a pretty powerful tool. I mean, uh, you know, how else would you merge two objects together that intersect, you know, um, it, it's pretty powerful because uh, otherwise, I mean, if you don't have, if you don't use ballooning, ballooning, um, it's a, it's a time consuming process to, to combine these models. Um, you know, I've never used, I never used Maya to, to use, uh, to, to Boolean. I didn't know how, how well it did it, but I remember Lightwave uh, by NewTek, man, that thing was amazing. And there was a lot of times when you're doing subtractions between or unions between models. Um, for example, if you had a ball and you had a, a, a cube and you wanted to meld those together or subtract it and cut out, 
a lot of times you have these weird surface edges around um, where the cutouts were and you'd have these really, these polys that were, the math wasn't exact, right. wasn't, it didn't optimize mm-hmm. it. So you had these weird uh, shadows on it or edges that didn't look right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lightwave always did a really amazing job at doing that. That was uh, pretty, pretty special back then. Yeah, the tangencies weren't were off between the faces, and yeah, you see the weird. <laughs> the normals would be off, or or it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, weld the vertices together completely, mm-hmm. and it'd be just be open. Your model be open, so you have a lot of gaps and holes and stuff in them uh, where you wouldn't want them. No, uh, no, typically you want a closed model, something that's like airtight, uh, right, for for things. So you know that that brings us to uh, photogrammetry as a as a completely unique way of generating 3d models and it, and it suffers from some of those same problems um, mm-hmm. and what photogrammetry is is it's basically a technique where you you use a camera or, or a photograph and, and you you photograph an object from multiple times from all, multiple angles uh and you try to keep your lighting consistent because uh you, know, you want each angle to kind of look the same and then you feed those images into a program and it the program kind of interprets them and meshes them together and generates basically a 3d representation of the object that's not that's not you modeling it, I guess. It's more like the program modeling it from from the images. But it's 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 a quick and easy way to get some you know real world objects uh, modeled quickly. Yeah, and it's uh, I know that there's also um, you know we we are talking. Did we talk about uh, procedural modeling yet? I mean, is that something we're getting going to get into? Yeah, that, that was the next thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say that um, you know a lot of the saying most of the games and and films are hard. You know the 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 um, the uh, they want people who are who are going to be hired. There's so many props and models and environments and things like that now that need to be done. So how do you do it quickly? Because you can't. Um, obviously, you can't sit there and hire a million people. You could, but then they have um, procedural modeling where you have simple um, techniques where you can build things and iterate on them really quickly. Like I was saying, architectural buildings, things like that, where you have these libraries that you can, you know, run a, a, um, a, a random randomized uh, procedure on those and make them look slightly different. And you can build up this massive city in, in, in seconds versus, you know, having modelers spend months and months and, and doing things and rotating around. So it's the same building that they're building, but they're rotating at a different angle. So it's, so it kind of looks different, like a real, uh, city. Now you can do these these procedural modeling things that can go all the way, you know, procedural model of trees all the way to, you know, uh, all sorts of objects you can you can do that with and just, just populate your entire environment with. Yes, and uh, Houdini is a great uh, tool for doing a lot of that procedural work. Uh, they, for instance, they have something called well, they have all sorts of things, but even Max has uh, some of these, you know, winning uh, building generators or window right. generators or stairs generators. Stair, mm-hmm. and, Basically, you you input a bunch of parameters like how how many steps you want, or how many floors in the building you want, or how high the ceiling should be, and what kind of roof shapes shapes you might want, and then you basically run the program, and uh, each time through, you know, depending on on the parameters you set, you, you get a, a new and unique model that basically follows the criteria that you entered. Right, and then uh, you know the thing about the computer is you're you're building these things procedurally, so they look sometimes they'll look more the look generated. And so what you need to do also is in that, you know, procedure, procedural, uh, which is basically math, you know, there have scripts that actually do these things. Exactly. Um, you can enter these um, numbers and randomize it to a point where you can add, add imperfections in there to make mm-hmm. it look uh, more real, you know, scratches and dirt and 
I mean, the amazing thing about Houdini, like you said, is the the, man, the amount of uh, customers customizable. It's customizable to a point where you can do even chandeliers, um, you know, intricate things like that. Um, you know, coral, yeah, just by entering coral. in a few few parameters. Yeah, yeah, even even organic things like coral reefs, um, and uh, you could just have it do, uh, you know, what they call branching. Yeah, so tree looks, systems, tree mm-hmm. systems, L systems, things like that. Uh, pretty pretty powerful anything you can think of almost well this sounds like a good place to to uh, transition over to a, another method for modeling that's pretty popular which is uh, simulation um and that, yeah, that's, that's your that's your forte you know that that uh simulation is a great way to model uh scenes i i've used simulation to model things uh, such as uh a cloth uh, i've used it to um Oh gosh, model. Uh, well, say for instance, we we had one one scene where I, I was actually modeling a scene instead of the individual objects, and we had to. It was a destruction scene where you know bricks, uh, things were torn apart, and bricks were lay, uh, strewn all around the street, and cars were turned upside down, and and built you know buildings were half the size of buildings were blown out. Um, it's 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 really like you said. It's you don't want to hire armies of animators to place brick by brick by brick. Uh, all this debris, and so uh, what? What we would do is we take the basic models that the otters would make, and then I'd load them into a physics simulator, and I would, just, you know, basically blow up this pile of bricks, and it, they would fly all over and, and land, and wherever they landed was, you know, and it was based on real world uh, physics, so it looked like a destroyed. But I said I didn't have to place each individual brick; I just ran a simulation, and right. and, all and that's the, parts the power. Were, that's the power of using proceduralism, right? It means that you have these, you can use them for destruction things they are reusable, you, you know, non-destructive outputs. You can always go back and modify it, right? And iterate on it starting exactly. from scratch if you uh-huh. wanted to. Um, go ahead. And, and once it's simulated, you can actually use that as a starting point for other things, which is pretty, pretty powerful. Gosh, man, I wish we had that back in the day. Amazing. Amazing. You know, another kind of uh, procedural modeling that's, uh, that's uh, Pretty pretty close to to uh, physics, um, and, and uh, you know, which is kind of a following procedural physics rules, um, is basically in the shader or the material itself. You can have you know displacements are even a kind of modeling where you model through displacement maps. Um, you basically take I- images or you know black and white, generally speaking. Uh, and now we have normal maps too, too. But basically, you use these images to push and pull depending on the the, the, the contrast values of, of uh, the image, you know, where it's dark, it pushes it in and where it's light, it pulls it out. You can, you can model that way if you'd like to as well. Yes. And, and, and to, to, to be, um, to kind of close a lot of this stuff out too, is, is, um, the, the jobs and skills you would need to know if you want are interested in getting involved with this. Um, you know, we mentioned, um, you know, the organic modeling, hard surface modeling, procedural modeling, all these things, um, the big thing, uh, the distinction between hard surface and organic, um, you know, in the 3D industry, um, artists disagree. But generally speaking, um, you know, look, just look um, at the um, uh, the job offers that that are coming through. They, they'll usually distinction. They'll have a distinction between hard modeling, excuse me, and um, organic modeling. And it's, it's a good idea to know both. Um, that way you can, you know, you have twice as much, um, you know, opportunities out there to learn both of those, but, uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, I guess. And if you yes, and if you're uh, if you're thinking about what you know, we we discussed a lot of different techniques and methods for for modeling. And if you're wondering about what type of modeling you should use for what, you know, it really depends on the end result that you're aiming for. You know, what are you what are you trying to create? Um, you know, I'd say um, in in most cases, it's going to be a combination of of the different approaches, um, especially if you're trying to create an entire scene. So what you just said there about you know learning the different modeling uh, types is is pretty is critical. You need to know more than just the I mean, you could start with polygons, but, you know, if you're a beginner artist, and I would suggest to start with, you know, polygons uh, and simple primitives to, to begin with, but eventually you're going to want to move on to some of the other techniques that we've discussed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, and, you know, especially with the, the question that uh, was asked, um, some of the environmental stuff, you can, they have um, procedural generators like uh, Terragen, mm-hmm. um, XFrog, SpeedTree, um, and the world gen- actual world generations mm-hmm. uh, generators, um, you know, Bryce used to be the one I used to use back in the day um, to do that. But Vista Pro, remember that? I do. I do remember Vista. <laughs> right? Yeah, we mentioned that last time too. That's that, right, that was an amazing. Right. Uh, yeah, and so they use, you know, fractals to generate terrain and and trees, and um, so th- those are those are systems that you can now you can just start building these entire three D environments that have you know um, not not only 3D models, but the and terrain and, and um, trees, but you can animate those trees and, um, you know, apply weather to them and you can do environment effects and skies. And it's just, you, it's you can be God. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's amazing in the computer. You can pre- basically build anything your imagination can conceive. Yes. And, uh, you know, a decade or so ago, you know, 3D modeling was considered a field that was really expensive, and as I mentioned before, you don't you don't have to spend a lot of money. I mean, you could, uh, you, you know, we talked about 3ds Max and Maya. I mean, there's Cinema 4D, and and we talked about Houdini and others. But you know, if you're a beginner, you know, just grab Blender. It's basically the only viable software that's completely free. I mean, it, it's it's it it rivals some of these other software as far as their their capabilities. So, uh, well, you know, yeah. Plus, there's there's student versions of of Autodesk products as well as uh, you know as well as C4D and the top programs have student versions it, as long as you're going to school and it's, and they can verify it. You can get like, you know, a license for a year and maybe even longer. Yeah. yeah you can't make anything commercially from them, but Correct. It, it, it will allow you to, to learn the trade for sure. Exactly. Uh, do you have any, um, we're kind of getting to the, to the wrap up stage. Do you have any uh, last words that you want to uh, inject? Mm, to? Maybe some comments. Uh, do we yeah. have any comments or do you want to go over some comments? Uh, Next time that actually we'll, we'll name some of the, con- actually, yeah, we will next, next uh, podcast. We'll actually name the people that are, that are doing some of the comments on our YouTube channel. I know there's some comments about your red shirt. Um, and uh, what, what, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I think, what was it? They, they said I talked too much, but we'll, 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 we'll get into those comments next week. But that's, that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're talking, we're talking to, to our audience that is just amazing. So uh, we, that's what we do. Well, for uh, for last words, I, I would say um, I'll be brief here. You know, start where you are, use what you've got, and just do the best you can. I mean, that's that's what all of us do, right? Great point. Great point. I enjoyed that. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for being with us uh, for our discussion today, and thanks again, Eddie, for asking. Uh, what are the methods for methods for modeling uh, CGI characters and environments? Uh, we really hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we hope that you learned some things about 3D modeling that you didn't know. Um, today, we discussed what exactly 3D modeling is, and, and you learned about uh, the main methods and techniques involved with creating 3D models. We also gave you our insights uh, about some of the software that you can use and uh, 
how you can get started creating 3D models of your own. And if you enjoyed our podcast or found it valuable, please do us a favor, share it on some of your with some of your friends. Uh, you can join us for a brand new episode of the CG Insider Podcast right here every week as we talk about different subjects related to the business of art and the craft of 3D CGI animation and digital effects, as well as other interesting subjects that may not revolve around CGI um, that you bring to our attention. How to render bacon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Food, food renders. If you, if you got a question or subject you'd like to discuss, make sure uh, you let us know. Uh, we'd love to do it in one of our podcasts. Simply leave a comment in the section below if you're watching us on YouTube or head over to our website at thecgrails.com. Again, up to the About Us section menu and click on the Ask Us Anything like Eddie did. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back here for next week's podcast, uh, episode 2130, uh, where we'll be answering the uh, important question, how important is lighting? The all-important question. Don't miss it. That's it for today. We hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, what are the methods for modeling CGI characters and environments? Thanks for being with us. If you're watching on YouTube or other social media, please give us a like and make a comment. If you haven't yet subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and ring the bell so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. You can listen to our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. If you're listening on Spotify, you can share the podcast to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr with the share link. That's the circle with the three dots in it. You can contact us on our website at thecgbros.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. Oh, and don't forget to tell all your friends about this podcast series. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, how important is lighting in CGI? This has been episode 2129 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.